scripture reading is taken from James 2, verses 14 to 26. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that. And shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? What was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I have some Ikea furniture uh, I need to build in my home. I don't know how you feel about that kind of job. Um, from time to time. For me, I actually kind of like it um, because unlike most things in life, there is one way to do it and you've got to do it that way exactly, uh, which is a lesson that I learned the hard way. Actually, some years ago, Jess and I bought an Ikea product that was called something like a Flardful, um, which is a bookshelf. And it's a large bookshelf. It's like a wall unit, right? So um, there I was in my living room, we, we, we bought this secondhand, right? So there I am in the living room. I've got all the, these long boards and wooden pieces, and I've got the hardware. I've got my Allen keys, and, but no manual. But I say to myself that I grew up building Lego. I know how to do this. I can do this. So I began putting pieces together, and I got halfway through assembling my flardful and then I had to stop because I realized that I made a mistake like eight steps ago and I, I couldn't go any further. The remaining pieces would not fit. So my flardful was useless. It could not hold books. It could not even stand up. It was lying there on the living floor, useless, half-assembled. Um, which is what happens when we don't follow the manual. Isn't that right? For, for about six months now, Grace West has been in a vision process. We've, we've been talking about that a fair bit. Um, we're thinking about vision at Grace West. We're thinking about uh, building Grace West. What kind of church do we want to build? 
together? And what kind of church do we want to be like five years from now? Kind of taking like a longer view than we than just the season in front of us. Five, five years from now, what do we hope that we've built together? And it's exciting. It is. We get to kind of imagine the potentials. Um, it's exciting. There's also risk involved in this process. There is because the risk is that we go about building a vision according to our own ideas, according to our own confidence that, yes, I, I know how to do this, I know what that, and so on, and, and effectively ignore the manual. And when I say the manual, I mean the Word of God. There's a risk that we build on our own definition of church, our own definition of faith, our, our own definition of the gospel, and ignore the manual, ignore the Lord's own definition of those things. We want to grow as a church. We want to grow together, right? We want to grow in faith. But what is faith, actually? We're looking at the letter of James right now. And um, we might think we know what faith is. I thought I knew what that is. That's, that's my role here to be able to answer those kinds of things in Q&A, to just talk off the cuff confidently. What is that? I thought I knew, but I've spent this past week um, just sitting with this passage that we just heard read, and uh, it's been busting my categories. <laughs> so, good. <laughs> let's, um, let's look at what James has to say about faith. And, and what we're going to see is that James is going to show us that faith in Jesus is something much broader and much much more powerful than we would tend to think it is. Um, because true faith, true faith, okay, true faith in Jesus will change your life to look like his more and more. That's what we're going to see together in this half hour or so. Look with me at verse 14. What good is it? My brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, now, what kind of deeds? What do you mean, James? What kind of deeds are you talking about? Verse 15, for example. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? Okay, a few comments on this short passage. Um, there's, a, there's, there's a person in need in this example. Imagine this kind of person, James says. A person in the church community. It's a brother or a sister. Okay? And they have urgent material needs. They lack like appropriate clothing, which would mean two things. It means they lack protection from the elements. It's actually cold in the night in the Middle East. Um, and they lack dignity in public. Furthermore, uh, this person is lacking daily food. They skip meals. Um, when they do eat, it's whatever they can get. It's, it's not a healthy diet. Okay. And they're, and they're in the church. They're identified with the church community. Now suppose that someone else in the church says to that person, Go in peace, 
keep warm and be well fed. That's a religious uh, word of kind of blessing, kind of benediction over that person's life. Um, it's a word of blessing, and it's nothing but words. And James just calls it out. He says, what's that? What good is that? That's useless. That's not religion. That's a, that's a religious mask for your, your laziness and selfishness, James would say to this imaginary person. That so-called faith is dead. When it really counts, there's nothing there. There's dead faith. Now, that's a hard word. James is full of hard words. Have you noticed that? It's a hard word. Um, We need to hear it, though, because the truth is that it's possible to identify as a Christian and go to church on Sundays and go to a small group during the week regularly and, and sometimes read the Bible and sometimes listen to podcasts about Christian things and serve on Sundays. It's possible to do all those things, but when it comes down to it, there's no real concern for the, per- the brother, for the sister, living with urgent needs, or at least no actions. Okay. Because it turns out, the case may be, it's, it's, a, it's a faith that does not share Jesus' concern for those with needs, especially those in the church community living with urgent needs. In the mid-2010s, a man named David Long was the chief executive at a a private members club in Vancouver. Um, He oversaw three restaurants at this club and all the club operations. Um, In 2018, he decided to spend a half day volunteering at a local organization, a, a local charity, and he picked the Greater Vancouver Food Bank, the GVFB. Uh, and it was an eye opening experience because what he saw during just a half day volunteering at that, at that food bank, um, he saw a rundown warehouse and he saw a lot of poor quality food, instant noodles, um, foods high in sodium, things that don't perish, right? That's of, of course why. But um, he was a chef by training. That's a, that was his background. Professional chef. And he understands the food industry. And so he, he said, I knew from my career how much food is out there, high-quality food, that is being wasted, that is going to landfills. Um, so he served his half day, but he went away thinking about everything that he saw and experienced. And soon after that, there was an executive search committee for the Greater Vancouver Food Bank, and they actually approached him to see about his interest in that role. And some, some time later, he, he found himself in the role, chief executive officer for the Food Bank of Greater Vancouver. He went from the private club to the food bank. He went from elite clients, the social elite, to clients with physical needs. 17,000 clients every month 
And he brought into that role all of his business acumen. He brought all of his chef training and background. He brought his, his financial savvy and his contacts in the industry. He brought it all to help people in need access fresh produce. Because one of the changes that he made is that now today, the Greater Vancouver Food Bank um, serves 60% fresh food, good quality food. Um, for people in need and for their children as well. And that is a picture, I, I'm, I believe, that is a picture of Jesus Christ, friends. I think it is. The Son of God, the CEO of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, as it were. He, he left behind his glory at the right hand of the Father and all the honor, all the worship, and he came to earth where he spent almost all his time among the poor and the marginalized and people lacking physical goods. He served them. He laid his hands on them and healed them. And he fed them. He did. There was one time that he was teaching a huge crowd of people that was probably like 15,000 or so. Um, And he said to his disciples, he said, I have compassion for these people because they've been with me for three days and they have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way because some of them have come a long distance and he fed them. He did. He took some bread and some fish and multiplied it to feed that crowd. Now, Jesus is risen and ascended today, but he absolutely still cares for low-income people and for kids going to school hungry. He does, and we, we know that because David Long at the Greater Vancouver Food Bank, the CEO, David Long says in an interview that the majority of food banks across North America were begun by churches, the clear majority. Jesus cares for people in need today and always. And I hear James saying that a Christian faith that does not share in Jesus' concern um, for people in need, especially in the church, for the poor and marginalized, a Christian faith does, does not share Jesus' concerns, um, is not the faith in the manual that we have in the Word of God. It's, 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 it's a different faith, some kind of different faith of human design, not God's design. Now, I don't know about you, I spend a lot of my time in spaces that preserve social boundaries. I like independent coffee shops that serve cappuccinos. I do. I like Muskoka. It's a nice place. I like the Toronto Symphony Orchestra. Um, And how many people in those spaces, the coffee shops like that, in in the cottage country, in the arts and culture and venues of our city. How many people in those spaces are, are in the spaces, not on the sidewalk, how many of them are in the spaces who lack appropriate clothing 
in daily food? None. Zero. Now, please don't misunderstand me, and I I, want to be clear that there is nothing wrong with those places. They're good. They're great. Each of them is good. But as I, as I take stock of, of all the spaces that I inhabit and spend my time in, I'm struck that I spend most all my time in spaces that have like hard social boundaries that keep low-income people and the marginalized people out. They don't belong in those spaces where I spend a lot of, most of all my time, okay? That's what I'm struck by as I've sat with this passage. Um, and I think Jesus is calling us, he's calling me, into a better way of life that's more human, more beautiful, a true Christian life where you don't live behind walls all the time that keep the, that keep the poor out. It's true faith where your, your faith actually leads you into proximity with people who have material needs and you know their names. Some months ago, our, our small groups got thinking about our, our neighborhoods and local organizations in our, in our neighborhoods and we researched organizations, we learned about them, we picked up the phone even and talked with local organizations um, and I've been thinking about food banks recently. Uh, there's one in my neighborhood. It's on Annette Street. It's called The Sharing Place. Um, I've got a food bank in my neighborhood. You, you probably have one in your neighborhood, too. That's not too far from where you live. I recently learned that in our country today, nationwide, food banks are seeing like a higher demand than they, they have ever in their entire history seen before. Um, the Daily Bread Food Bank is in South Etobicoke, for example. Um, before the pandemic, they used to have 65,000 visits per month. After the pandemic, the Daily Bread Food Bank has 270,000 visits per month, every month. We have an affordability problem in our country right now, and we've been feeling it with interest rates going up and that kind of thing. We've, we've been feeling it. Um, we're not the only ones. And there are a, a lot of people in our city today who find themselves going to food banks who did not before because they're feeling it. They are much more than we are on average in this church, Grace West. And I have this new desire. I'll be honest with you, it's a totally new desire, like in this season. I've not had this desire before. I will admit to you. I want the gospel to humble me so that my life can bring some benefit to people experiencing poverty. I don't want to be a savior, okay? No one needs that. I don't need that. I don't, I don't let that mindset my mind be rid of that mindset. No one needs it. I just want to bring some benefit in a way that would be humble. 
And I'm tired of living behind hard social boundaries all the time, where the only kind of places that I ever spend time in, um, except the TTC, are places that keep people out who have material needs. I want to follow Jesus into a more human life. I want to follow Jesus to where he is and to care more about the kinds of things that he cares about. Grace West, may our faith grow in this way so that in whatever way we can, and not just as individuals, but as a church and as small groups, in whatever way that we can, may we be a church that finds ways to, to give our money, to give our, our time, yes, to give our, our, our interest and our learning about bringing some benefit to people experiencing poverty. Of course, inside the church, right? And we have people, who, we, we, we have friends in this community who have come in with, with different kinds of physical needs and we respond, when they are in our community. Yes, we do. There's many stories of that. Of course, we respond within the church community. But I would like to grow myself, and it would, let's, can, can we grow in initiative as well? Not only responding, but in initiative. Can we grow in that way? Local organizations are one great way to do that. Um, and whatever we do, may it be in Jesus' name. In his name and for his honor. And with the motivation of knowing him better. And enjoying him. As we share in the things that he cares about as well. And join him. Now, how are we doing? This, this, feel, this, okay, this is challenging, hey? This feels a bit uncomfortable where, where like the rubber meets the road and it feels difficult. And um, the thought might be out there, a thought along these lines. Well, um, we're the, aren't we, we're the body of Christ, right? We have many members with different gifts. Some have gifts to serve the poor. Some have gifts of faith and teaching, um, etc. Now, James knows that thought is there. Look with me at verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. So, okay, to paraphrase, one person has faith, another has deeds, you serve the poor, I do whatever, and we all come together and we're in the body and we all share in the work of the body, right? Wrong, James says, wrong. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds, says James. James is not having it. Diversity of spiritual gifts in the church, congregation, does not give you a pass as an individual to be unconcerned about people with needs. It doesn't give you a pass to have a faith that does nothing about people with physical needs um, or, or, or to be unconcerned. That kind of faith that does nothing and that has no concern is a dead faith, says James. But now that there might be another thought, which is that James, 
This is works righteousness. This is legalism. You're saying that you, you, like, you earn your salvation by what you do. And James says, you foolish person, you fool. Verse 20, you fool, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Abraham, look at Abraham, life of Abraham. Okay, verse 21, James says, was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? Okay, backstory for this. One starry night, millennia ago, Abraham uh, heard God make a promise. At that time, Abraham had no child. And God said to him, look, Abraham, go out of your tent, look at the stars in the heavens. Look at the stars and number them if you can. So will your offspring be. That's how many your descendants will be. And Abraham, it says in Genesis 15, Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted his faith as righteousness. Now, I believe that that was the conversion moment in Abraham's life. Um, And the Bible says that when anyone puts faith in God's promise, even from that first moment, God declares you, declares you legally accepted, righteous. Your sin is pardoned. You are declared righteous in his sight, justified by faith. That's what happened on that night. All of his sin, Abraham's sin, pardoned and righteous a righteous standing before the judge. Okay, 25 years go by after that starry night. 25 years of Abraham walking in faith, and 25 years later, God tests Abraham. He tests his faith. Abraham, by this point, has a son, born by a miracle, born by promise, a young man named Isaac, And God says to Abraham, one day, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there, him there, as a burnt offering on the mountain I will show you. And Abraham obeyed in the sense that he did everything up until the actual act of sacrificing his son. Because at the last moment, God intervened and provided a ram because it was a test of Abraham's faith. It was a test of faith, and Abraham passed the test. How did he pass? By his actions. It's because his actions demonstrate his faith. Verse 22, you see that his, Abraham's faith, and his actions were working together. His faith was made complete by what he did. 25 years before that event, Abraham believed and he was declared righteous with a righteous status. 25 years later, Abraham does not just have a righteous status. He has that, yes. 
but, but more. He has righteous deeds. He has obedient action. And so the scripture is fulfilled. A righteous status is matched with a righteous obedience and actions. It's the same for everyone who believes. Everyone who believes in God's promises with faith, with true faith. If you take photos on your phone, uh, if you use Instagram, you, you probably use photo filters, I would imagine, right? It's a good feature. Uh, this is what the gospel does. Now, okay, imagine your life as a photo of you. And if you believe in Jesus, God has applied to your life the Christ filter. Okay, track with me. The Christ filter is applied to the photo that is your life. The filter overlays the image of Jesus onto your image. So when God looks at the image with the filter on it, when he looks at this image, your life, God sees all of your sin paid for because he sees the image of his son who paid it. It's done, pardoned, forgiven. And God sees Jesus' perfect righteousness overlaid on you. It counts for you. Every righteous thing that Jesus did, his entire life, is counted, it's overlaid on you. That's your status. God sees his righteousness on you. It counts for you. But, get this, and this is what I'm struck by this week looking at James. God still sees you. He still, he still sees you. You're, you're not obliterated by Jesus' image. That's not how the filter works. Okay? God sees you the perfected you. So after years of following Jesus, God looks at the photo of your life with the Christ filter, and God sees Jesus' righteousness, yes, and he sees all of the actions that you have done in him. That the actual things that you have done in your life in space and time through faith. He sees the actual things that you've done. Actions that show love to people, the times that you turned the other cheek, the times that you stayed in a difficult relationship because you believed that God had called you to that. Every action in faith, the times that you showed concern for people in need, every action in faith, even the imperfect actions, which, let's be honest, is all of them, he sees them. He sees all the actions in sincere faith and he accepts them. My daughter, my son, is righteous. Look at all these actions that adorn their life, their faith. That is, that is how God sees his children who believe and who walk in obedience. Now, the, okay, the flip side of this is that a so-called Christian life devoid of good works is not a Christian life. It's a dead faith. Someone who maybe claims to be a gardener, okay, uh, but who never touches plants or waters or weeds 
or goes in the backyard. Um, a prince is not a gardener. They're not. And someone who claims to be a Christian, who claims to follow Jesus, but does not share Jesus' concern for people in need, does not have an interest in the kingdom of God expanding, who doesn't deny themselves and, and carry a cross and follow Jesus, that person is not a Christian. Because faith without deeds is dead. It's useless. It's a hard word. It is. But hard words make soft hearts. And it's good for us to hear a hard word. As we hear the hard word, let's also hold on tight to the gospel. James 1.18. Let me read this verse from an, an earlier um, word from James himself. Listen to this. Not in the bulletin, but it's from the first chapter. Of his own will, God brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. I'll read it once more. Of his own will, God brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Now that is James' way of saying that you're saved by grace, sheer grace. Sheer grace, you who believe in him. His word comes to you, you, you just hear it, you receive it, and God does a powerful work in your heart so you're new, you're born again, new. But the gospel does not stop there. There's more. Get this, James, just a few verses later, James chapter 1. Brothers and sisters, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. We tend to think that this is what faith does. Believe in Jesus and God will forgive your sin and you'll go to heaven. Now, that's true, okay? But more, more than, than, than only that, because James is showing us this morning that faith does more than just that, because faith is loyalty to Jesus. It's loyalty to him. And when you're loyal to him, you care about what he cares about. You're interested in his interests. You do the kinds of things that he does with him. Faith does more than change your eternal destiny. Okay, it does that. <laughs> Praise God, it does that. But more, it will change your life now, in this life. True faith in Jesus will grow in your life good deeds, works of faith, actions of obedience. Grace West, faith without deeds is dead. Let's hear the warning, loud and clear, and let's, let's, let's put our faith in action more and more. I'm not saying that we don't do this. I'm saying more and more, let's do this, more and more, and let's value more deeply what Jesus values more and more. And may Jesus be the driver behind our actions, actions that meet real needs around us, actions that bring glory to God's name, Actions that we will carry with us 
into that day of judgment when we stand before God and he opens the book on our lives. Actions that God sees, imperfect as they are, they all are imperfect, but he sees them. Actions that the Lord God will accept in that day and approve on that day. This is my daughter. This is my son, righteous in my sight. Righteous, displayed in a life committed to righteousness and and obedience. Grace West, let's grow together. And let's let our faith be the faith in the manual. Let's not make up something that gives us a pass and, and it is, is, puts, the, puts the bar on the floor and it doesn't require any hard things from us. Let's grow in faith, in real faith, true faith, more and more, and a faith that's adorned with actions to the praise of God's name and to the good of our neighbor and to our own good and freedom from self and bondage to self. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this summer months in the letter of James. We thank you for this uncompromising voice from James. Um, We need it. Because apart from your word, we will slip, Lord, into thinking we know and we don't. Into thinking we know what faith is, but we've, we've, we've got a tailor-made faith that is suited to our um, convenience. So, Lord, may, may your word resound in our hearts and may your spirit let it abide may we receive with meekness your word and lay it to heart and may it birth new ways of thinking and new actions and and a faith that is adorned with deeds more and more father that's our desire we lay it before you this morning help us in our in our weakness and help us to grow as a community, um, to resemble our Savior more and more. We ask it all in his name. Amen.